Well, it's so nice to see that we need to use our overflow this Sunday. Um, it's good to be back in church and uh, with a full church. Um, so welcome all of you. If this is your first time at the Newman Center, uh, this is your home here. If you're returning, it's good to see you again. Um, it's good to celebrate the Eucharist together with you uh, on this, the, the Lord's Day. I remember my senior year of college on my birthday, a close group of friends of mine uh, made me this little photo album of like the four years that we were together in college. And it was a really meaningful gift. And in the, meaning, in the beginning of the photo album, uh, one of my friends had written out this prayer of Thomas Merton. Thomas Merton was a Trappist monk in the last uh, century. He was uh, about the 50s, 60s. He was a quite famous writer, spiritual writer. And he had this prayer, and I'd never seen it before. And I just read it as I was looking through this photo album. I have to say, it, it kind of confused me. I'd never seen the prayer before, and it, it didn't console me. It kind of troubled me. This is the prayer. My Lord God, I have no idea where I am going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end, nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think that I am following your will does not mean that I am actually doing so. But I believe that the desire to please you does, in fact, please you. And I hope I have that desire in all that I am doing. I hope that I will never do anything apart from that desire. And I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road, though I may, not, I know, I may know nothing about it. Therefore will I trust you always, though I may seem to be lost and in the shadow of death. I will not fear, for you are ever with me, and you will never leave me to face my perils alone. When I read this prayer, I was like, are my friends trying to tell me something? Like, that I'm lost, that I think I'm doing God's will, but I'm not actually that sure of that fact. Like, I'm lost in the shadows, and um, all I can really hope is that the fact that I'm trying to do what God wants me to do pleases him. I think in the years since, I've started to understand that prayer more, especially um, in my own weak and half-hearted way to follow God's will for my life. I think you just sort of learn that the times when you're most sure that you're doing exactly what God wants you to do. Um, and you kind of start to drive the train yourself. You're like, I think I got this, actually. That's when you realize you've gotten yourself totally lost. But it's in those times where you're, you're not sure and you're just taking the next right step. You're just being faithful to the call that, that you've heard. Um, even if it doesn't make a lot of sense, even, even if it doesn't feel right, then all of a sudden God will bowl you over with his grace and you realize, yes, I'm exactly where God wants me to be. Um, and I couldn't ever have put myself here uh, by my own design, by my own intelligence, or, or by my own holiness. God had to do this for me. And I thought of this as I was praying with this reading of, of St. Peter, who after Jesus predicts his passion, he, he explains to the, the apostles what's going to have to happen to him in Jerusalem, that he's going to have to suffer and die, be arrested, rejected, um, finally crucified. And Peter, it's, it's just very ironic um, especially after last week's reading where Jesus has said, Peter, you're the rock on which I'll build my church. He makes this great profession of faith that you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. That just as soon as he's done that, it's Jesus taking, or Peter taking Jesus aside and like just giving him a little talking to. Like, no, no, God forbid. That's not, that's not what's going to happen for you. Um, I'll never let that happen to you, Jesus. And Jesus strongly rebukes him and says, get behind me, Satan. Maybe the harshest thing Jesus says to anyone in the gospel, and it's to one of his closest friends, Peter. 
That phrase in, in the original Greek, when, Jesus, when Peter takes Jesus aside, that taking is the same as the verb to like take possession of, to like steal. Jesus, Peter t- takes Jesus to himself. He possesses Jesus, not the other way around. Um, Peter is trying to tell Jesus what to do. And ironically, he, Peter thinks Jesus needs him to save him. Do you see the irony there? He thinks the Savior needs saving. Peter is the one enslaved to his own will. He's the one imprisoned by sin and egoism. And Jesus has come to unlock him, to ransom him, to unenslave him. And Peter can't see it. He thinks Jesus needs my help right now. He's losing it. He thinks he's going to die. No, I'll save you, Jesus. That's the exact moment where you're lost. When you're not the one following Jesus, but you're trying to get him to follow you. I remember in college, when I started to discern my vocations, when I, this, this advice that I got kind of finally sank in. that you know, There's all these questions in college, like, what do you want to do? What do you want to major in? What do you see yourself in five years? What, what career do you want? Um, and it was a priest who asked me, what do you think God wants for your life? And that question totally revolutionized my planning for life, or lack thereof. Like, as I tried to make a list of like, what I wanted out of life, or what I was good at, or what I could see myself doing, there were just a million options, and I felt like imprisoned by them, because I didn't know which one to choose. Like, how do you commit to one when you could have a million, right? Or maybe there weren't that many. Like, I couldn't think of anything really that I wanted to do or that I felt like I could really be great at. But as soon as the script was flipped and it was, what does God want you to do? Then all of a sudden, there was hope in that question because there was something that God willed for me to do. There was some purpose he put me on the earth for. And that my job was not to figure out what I wanted, but to conform my will to God's will. And I remember as I started to feel that God was calling me to the priesthood, I started to slowly tell people in my life because I wasn't, you know, I wasn't 100% sure I wanted to do it and it's kind of a big deal and it was a big change of life and I didn't want to say it and then turn back again and have everybody be like, I thought you were going to be a priest and then I go be an accountant or something. So I, I only told a few people, but as I told some of my closer friends, it was interesting how they kind of tried to pull a St. Peter on me and be like, no, 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 that's not what you're doing. I remember one friend of mine who really wanted to go into real estate and his, his dream was always to be really rich. He's like, dude, why don't you just like start a nonprofit or something if you really want to do something good? <laughs> like, that's not why I want to be a priest is to just like raise some money for people who need it. Like, I feel that God's calling me to this way of life, that it's part of my heart, part of my personality that God's created me for. It's not just like I need to do something good to get it out of my system. But that wasn't, it's not like I was saying to my friend, get behind me, Satan, because I wasn't totally sure. I'm not Jesus. I was trying to follow him. But nevertheless, as you do that, there will be these voices that say, no, 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 don't die. Don't go get, carry your cross. Do something easy. Right? But uh, Jesus is always calling us in both senses. That What he says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. And then the phrase that he, he uses right after to the rest of the apostles, those who would come after me and follow me must take up their cross. It's all about being behind Jesus. The problem with Peter is that he's trying to be in front of him. He's trying to lead the way. And he's going to lead himself and everyone around him astray. He has to take his proper position, 
behind Jesus. But the disciple is not greater than the master. We are not teaching the teacher. We are being taught. And that advice that Jesus gives, it's a spiritual principle you can take to the bank. Whoever tries to find his life in this world will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. It's the great paradox that the more you try to figure out your own life out, the more you try to get what you're looking for out of life, the more bored, the more desperate, the sadder you will be. But the more you look to the, to the Lord and say, how can I give myself more faithfully to you? How can I totally empty myself and make my life a living sacrifice for you? No matter what it costs you, it will fill you up. It will make you who you are. I'll finish with this other prayer, uh, a favorite of mine of St. John Henry Newman, um, that I think speaks exactly to this principle. Newman says, God has created me to do him some definite service. He has committed some work to me which he has not committed to another. I have my mission. I may never know it in this life, but I shall be told it in the next. I am a link in a chain, a bond of connection between persons. He has not created me for naught. I shall do good. I shall do his work. I shall be be an angel of peace, a preacher of truth in my own place, while not intending it if I do but keep his commandments. Therefore, I will trust him. Whatever I am, I can never be thrown away. If I am in sickness, my sickness will serve him. In perplexity, my perplexity may serve him. If I am in sorrow, my sorrow may serve him. He does nothing in vain. He knows what he is about. He may take away my friends. He may throw me among strangers. He may make me feel desolate, make my spirit sink, hide my future from me. Still, he knows what he is about. These are difficult words. It's not easy to sell people on carrying their cross. But it's the only way to life. It does not profit a man to gain the whole world but to sacrifice his soul. Like you could have everything in the world, but if you don't have God, you have nothing. Whereas if you have God, no matter what happens, in sickness, health, riches, poor, friends, alone, if you have God, you have your soul, you have yourself, you have everything you could possibly need. And this is the way to salvation, to get behind Jesus in humility, to listen to him, to follow him in docility and obedience.